obviously you've come to the leading saints podcast because you love podcasts and you love consuming content in this manner uh, listening to a pre-recorded conversation or interview or presentation and we get a lot of good stuff here but nothing compares to an in-person retreat experience this is one thing i've learned in the last few years that we are infusing into our leading saints content is the need for in-person experiences also known as retreats so leading saints has started putting on retreats, both for men, women. Uh, we're gonna play around with couples retreats and uh, we'll try it all. But retreats are a transformational experience. And I implore you to go check out leadingsaints.org slash gathering, where we list all of the upcoming retreats. Uh, some are open to register, others you can get on a waiting list, but we would love to have you at the next in-person retreat. Now, if you can't afford it, if there maybe if you price out of these opportunities, don't worry, we have very generous donors willing to put up money for scholarships. So either go there, check it out, register, or apply for a scholarship, and we'd love to have you at the next Gathering Saints retreat put on by Leading Saints. So go to leadingsaints.org slash gathering to check out the upcoming Gathering Saints retreats. It's a How I Lead episode where we reach out to the everyday leaders in the world and ask them, how is it that you lead? Tell the world. Give us your tricks, your your tips, your tactics, everything you know, and maybe somebody out there who's desperate to uh, magnify their calling, but they don't know how to do that. Well, maybe they can listen to this and, uh, and learn a few things. So we're headed to Las Vegas with Jenna Rhodes, and she is the Stake Activities Director. Now, Stake Activities uh, probably happens a little bit different in every stake, but Really interesting how the, the stake presidency uh, called Jenna Rhodes to help jumpstart the gathering after the nightmare of COVID and get people together again and to give wards permission to get people together again. And, and the, their idea of first Friday events was uh, phenomenal. And she shares some really helpful uh, tactics to help any stake activities director, or even award activities committee. So this is one to pass on to whomever you know who's uh, behind ward or stake activities. They're going to learn a lot from Jenna. So listen to how it, it united their their stake, how it uh, jump-started activities in their stake, uh, how they leverage it to share the gospel and do some missionary work. Definitely worth a listen. So here's my interview with Jenna Rhodes. Jenna Rhodes in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the heat. How are you, Jenna? <laughs> hot. Hot. Yeah, it's May of 2023, so it's only going to get hotter, right? Yep, only going nice. to get hotter. <laughs> nice. Are you born and raised in Las Vegas? I am born and raised. I even went to the old Las Vegas high school. You can't get more born and raised than that. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And uh, did, did you meet your husband there or... No, my husband and I got set up on a blind date. His sister was my, my maid leader when I was 15. And she was just this young, cute leader. And he came to work in Vegas for the summer. And all the young women were like, who's that? You know? And uh -huh. anyways, we stayed friends. And through a series of like running into her years later, she's like, oh, my brother's on his mission. You should write to him and this whole thing. And so we got set up when he got home and we got married. We got wow. engaged in like 
three and a half months and married four months later. So by the time we got married, we'd known each other for seven and a half months. So Oh my goodness. Yeah, well, it was so meant she, to be, so you might as well jump me. in. Yeah. Yeah, she picked so, me. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Now you, uh, I, I forget how I found you online. I think uh, you know I'll reach out to various people on Instagram and invite mm-hmm. them to do a what's called an Instagram takeover, where you log into the Instagram account for Leading Saints and take a couple of days and talk about your calling. And you did such a great job with this. Uh, oh, with inter- you know, introducing us to your stake president, your bishop. Is your husband the bishop or seeing the bishopric? He's in the bishopric. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we just got a real good feel for your stake and, and awesome. some events happening there. So if people want to check that out, we're going to, it should be in the hi- highlight bubble on Instagram. Okay. If okay. you don't know what that is, you're probably not using Instagram. So, but uh, <laughs> uh, you can, get a, 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 a literal tour of, of Jenna's calling, right? So <laughs> the stake, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, so maybe just tell us what's, I mean, the church is pretty awesome there in, in Las Vegas, but just give us the, the lay of the land. What's your ward and stake like? So uh, you're right. The church is really awesome here. Um, I, we, I actually live in the stake I grew up in. I know it's kind of rare, uh, but me and my uh, parents and my sisters, we all ended up staying on the east side of Las Vegas. And it's kind of because um, Vegas like started in the middle and then grew out. And so we're close to downtown. Like if anybody's familiar, we're close to Fremont Street. That's even in our stake boundaries. Hmm. So our stake is kind of old and and we have like several families of people that have been here forever. And then, so it was like, there was some challenges growing up in the East stake and then growing into an adult in the East stake. Cause everyone remembered me as a teenager, Oh yeah, crazy redhead girl, you know, <laughs> and, and just like, but we have like some of the best people. And when everybody moves away from the East stake, they always say, Oh, I miss the East stake when they move across town or whatever. So I've been in the stake forever. We have a lot of really great people. Um, our stake presidency, it's kind of interesting as you get older. And if you've been in the stake forever, our stake presidency is all three of them are good friends of mine that we've all been in the stake forever and we're all around the same age. So, you know, cool. it reminds me I'm getting older, but yeah. it actually is kind of cool because I have a lot of resources in my stake and I'm not afraid to ask for help. And so that made this calling actually pretty easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now you are the, um, the stake activities director. Is that the right title? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm trying to think, I mean, obviously every stake has some activities, but generally they'll call people to like be in charge of activity or a, or a high councilman is sort of directing the, the events and whatnot. So I don't know if this is a typical calling in the stake. I mean, is yeah, it? I don't know. I, so this is what happened. So the history of me is that I'm a diehard girls camper. I die over girls camp. Like I haven't missed, I've missed maybe four years since I was 12. So no matter what calling I'm in, I'm always like, you can give me that calling if I can still go to girls camp. Awesome, <laughs> so yeah. like, I love young women's, I love girls camp. So when they called me in, they were like, okay, we have a special calling for you. And it was, it was right after COVID and our state, our state president was new. And he said, he just really felt like we needed to gather the same the saints again. Like that was really important to them as the stake presidency. And he said, we need to get people out of their houses, out of their funk, and we need to get to gathering again. So this is what we want you to do. Cause he knows too. They all three know that I love a good party. I love uh-huh. hanging out. I love, you know, so if I could 
plan a calling for myself, this would be a calling for me. And so they were like, maybe bring back church sports and, or like primary sports or whatever. You just kind of go pray about it and think about it. And I was like, okay, church sports. I was like, well, I don't know. You know, cause like most families, if their kids are in sports, they're already doing that and they're very busy. And so I don't know, I tossed some ideas around my husband and I tossed some ideas around. And so then we came up with first Friday and, you know, in Vegas down on Fremont street, uh, they have a first Friday or they did before COVID where it's like a, like a Friday night music, food, hanging out, vendors go down, you know, do this, do all the stuff down there and just hang out. And my husband's a cop. So he has a love hate relationship with first Friday because <laughs> it's always yeah. like garbage going on, but it's also a cool thing. But he said, what about the consistency of first Friday? If you do an activity on the first Friday of every month, then everybody knows when it is It's on their calendar. Anyways, when I took it to stake reporting meeting, the stake president's eyes, he just got really big, like, that's so cool. And then he's like, maybe we could incorporate like church sports into first Friday occasionally or service projects or, you know, the ideas just kept growing. So, so so let me ask like anybody in Vegas would know if you said first Friday, they know what that is, right? They should. They okay. should. Yeah. It's so advertised you, were, on the radio. you introduced it on a church level and yeah. as an activity and they're like, Oh yeah. yeah. And basically every first Friday something yeah. happens. Yeah. And you know, it, it, so, and then I was like, okay, can I choose my committee? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you can choose. The negotiation committee. begins. Yeah. Right? And so I went through the whole stake list and I, I kind of tried to pick some people that I know are awesome, but maybe aren't the first like people to say, Hey, I'll be in that. I'll do that. I mean, one of which was my cousin and I called his wife. I was like, do you guys think you'd want to be on this committee? And she goes, well, you're your cousin's favorite person besides me. So you call him and ask him. (laughs) And then I just asked some friends of mine and just some people that I knew we would work well together. So it was twofold for me. I wanted a good experience for my committee. I wanted to work, work well together. And then I wanted to try and like plan some things that appealed to all the different people in the state. So, yeah. And uh, so how long ago did you have your first, first Friday? So we had our first one last February, last year in February. And, and I got called two weeks before the first Friday in February. And so I said to the stake president, I was like, look, I think we can do this. I think we can throw it together. Let's get going on this so we don't miss a whole nother month. And he was like, okay, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, let's make it fun. Let's make it like, yay, everybody's gathering again. So I go, what about if we have a DJ, we have music, we have dancing, we have a taco truck. It's just like, come and hang out. He was like, I love it. Get it going. Uh So, and that was the other thing is like, I know that some people don't feel like they have the support of their leaders um, in their callings, but they let me run with it. And I also wasn't, me and my committee, we weren't trying to be like overly spendy either. The first one, you know, we did, we spent on a DJ and we spent on a taco truck and we planned on, I think, 250 people because our stake's kind of small. There's only like, I think, six wards. And when I was a kid, there was like 10 wards and it's just Mm -hmm. gotten smaller, you know? And um, we had 450 people show up. Wow. And the taco truck lady just stretched the food. <laughs> and we it was like loaves and fishes. And it yeah. was 
everybody was like so happy to see each other and it was a blast. Nice. And so I am, I am curious about just the, cause you, you hit the nail on the head as far as people think, well, my state presidency would never do that. Or they try to micromanage it or mm-hmm. they want to give me enough budget or so like, how would you articulate just how that worked? Did they give you just a lump sum of sum of money for the year? Uh, did they, I mean, how, how did you work through the details so that you could feel like you had <laughs> the autonomy to run with it? Well, one of the things that's really helpful is that our stake presidency, our stake president is a business owner. So I don't know if that plays into him understanding budget, but he's kind of like, we have a budget there. If you don't use it, you lose it. And it's for the saints. And for him, it was like, let's use it. Okay. So we planned on every other activity doing a full dinner and every other activity was like snacks and whatever. And no, he didn't give us a budget. He just like, I would call him and like, or text him and say, Hey, we're thinking about this. Is it too extravagant? Or what do you think? And he's like, no, I love it. How much is it? And adding up like roughly in my head, I think we probably spent under $20,000 and we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine activities last year. And we spent under 20,000 for the whole steak. I don't think that's extravagant. And then if your steak's bigger, then you get a bit bigger budget. Right. So, and we weren't, like I said, me and my committee, we weren't extravagant and we didn't focus on like, so many decorations and so we didn't focus on the fluff really yeah i learned at a younger age when you focus on you on the fluff you miss the point of the whole thing yeah you know yeah yeah and so we had a couple of things that like we bought some of those really cool like bistro lights that you can get at like sam's club and we spent like 200 bucks on them and we were like we intend on using these at a lot of activities because you know you put some lights up and we have a party yeah so and people stay those. when it gets darker, right? Yeah. And so we would use those. We found a bounce house guy. He's LDS. And um, we had a lot of times where I'd be like, all right, I need a bounce house or I need a two-story slide um, or I need four different activities. And he'd be like, you got it. And he'd bring them down, set it up. And then it was like little for us to do and stuff like yeah. that. So anyways, I don't know. I, I, I think it had to do with, us not being extravagant and the stake presidency really having a vision of gathering, you know? Yeah. So. And are you uh, potlucking any of the food or? We didn't, which was really nice it. for my committee. So like, you want me to tell you what the activities were? To yeah, let's, yeah let's break them down. Okay. So February, we did the DJ and the dance party. You know what was so cool about the dance party? And this is like in the parking lot or what? No, we did it in the gym. In the church? Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, we set up as many tables as we could kind of in a U shape so that we have the dance in the center. And then the DJ was on the stage. Cause we're in an, uh, we have a pretty big old steak center cause it's an old steak and yeah. it's a big one, you know? Um, and then we set tables up in the primary room, the young women's room, knowing we would, it would be lots of people. It was so many people, but it was fine. And then we have a Spanish ward in our steak. And the best part was the DJ was keeping it going. And then he knew some of the like, like party Spanish songs. And so he would play those and then they taught the rest of a bunch of us, their dances. Oh, yeah, yeah that's awesome. I, I mean, nice. that's my personality, but anyways. Yeah. So March, we kind of kept it a little more chill and we did bingo night and we had game, we had snacks on all the tables and then we had prizes, which was like, king size candy bars and all that and then as the night went on they won like 
gift cards to restaurants and stuff. And even that whole thing, I think we spent 500 bucks for the whole yeah. steak. And um, you, we had a different crowd at bingo night. They were a little older. <laughs> nice. You got to <laughs> consider different demographics as you absolutely, do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then in April, we were like, okay, the weather's getting good. Let's do like out on the field. Our steak center has a little field and a pavilion. Uh-huh. So we, we had our, our bounce house guy, he bought, he brought like the blow up slide. We had cornhole, we had ping pong, we had spike ball, we had horseshoes. We just had a bunch of stuff outside. And then we grabbed pizza from Costco outside. So again, it was like very little setup for the committee. Like what we were like for our committee is we would have a meeting. Everybody was really cool about taking their thing and we had you know, we all kind of fell into our little niches. Like I'll call that, I'll do that. I'll order that on Amazon. And then we would, we would decide what time we were going to show up. And then about, you know, two days before the event, I'd text everybody, everybody good. Everybody got their stuff. And I just trusted that they would do it. And we just showed up two hours early, set it up and it would go, you know, yeah. Yeah. Then May we did a three on three basketball tournament and we, Luckily, my brother-in-law was the assistant principal at the middle school. And so we were able to book the middle school and the teenagers came out in droves. They brought their friends. It was three on three. Um, And that one, we only had like water and Gatorade. I think we had popsicles too. And, um, and then it was like, you know, the dad teams versus the teen teams. And it was a blast because people were getting used to the first Friday idea at this point. So even though they didn't, some of them weren't playing. They would come and they sat and sat in the bleachers and cheered and watched and because they knew, oh, first Friday, this is fun. We're going to go and hang out, you know, and so it kind of like caught on. And then in June, we knew that a lot of people would be out of town. So we had a projector and a screen in the gym because it was hot because it's Vegas. Yeah. We um, said to everyone, bring a camp chair or a blanket and we're going to have sandwiches and chips and dinner and so we kept that pretty chill too. We got like sandwich platters from Sam's Club or something like that. And that was pretty easy. We just set it up. People brought their own chairs and put the movie on. And it was like out of the heat and pretty chill. Yeah. Um, July, I am a I love tradition, but I also love to do thing, new things when things get tired. And ever since I was a little girl, we had a pancake breakfast that over the years yeah. for 4th of July, it got less and less attended. And I was like, mm, that pancake breakfast is tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I might've made some older members in the state bug, but we ended up having a really nice patriotic fireside with some really great, like, um, uh, veterans that spoke. And then we had a really nice cake and ice cream in the gym after, um, and then there was some really good music too, like a couple of musical numbers. So that's one thing we're going to do this year and we're going to make it a little bit bigger. And then we had a big old luau in August. And that one was also like maybe close to 400 people. And we hired this group of dancers. They were fire dancers, performers, and we paid them a little chunk of money out of the budget, but, and we had the dinner catered. So that again was kind of a setup for the committee, but these dancers came and ran like they had like they'd teach you like little dancing over here. They had all these little stations set up and it was really, really kind of cool. Yeah, and it. then the, all these um, 
these really awesome Polynesian saints were able to come in and like teach about their culture. And it was a good time. Um, in September, we did a service project with the, it was in, conjun- in conjunction with the 9-11 National Day of Service. And um, we put together kits for the Homeless Alliance here in Vegas. So we ordered all the things that they required. And then we set them up and did like, like people would walk by and load the kits. Uh-huh. And um, we had it set up in the different foyers. And then afterwards we had volleyball, live music, and like ice cream social. Just so it was like, just stick around and then we're going to, you know, whatever. And, and that was cool actually, because we were able to help the sister in the state that's in charge of service. And like, she's, her calling is like community engagement or something and uh, interfaith, like community engagement. So she was so happy because we joined her on that. And then in fall, we did, uh, in October, we did fall festival and we had the high council. This one, we had the high council cooking burgers and we did like a, uh, live band again, games, face painting. And that one had a coat drive attached to it with the family services in Las Vegas. So, and then hay rides. So it, to me, it was easy to other people. They would be like, Whoa, this is so much. And I was like, honestly, it wasn't because everybody had their thing. We all showed up and did our thing and had a fun night, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I love just these, like, this isn't just, to have a party for the party's sake. I mean, I love your, your, some of these events have the the service component with it, the interfaith component. And mm-hmm. uh, I imagine that's, you're constantly thinking maybe how to, how to, uh, you know, do that type of, of activity, right? Yeah. And I got the opportunity to, um, to talk to a lot of missionaries about it and they were getting hyped. They'd be like, Oh my gosh, I love First Friday. And some of them would be so funny. They didn't know that like I was the person in charge. And they'd be like, Have you heard about First Friday? We're gonna bring all of our investigators. Oh, they call them their friends. That's and I'd right. be like, That's awesome. And it was, it was a really good place for them to say, Hey, we have this activity the first Friday of every month. And so they were able to bring them. And it was it was really good for that, for that reason too. And so this is the thing I worry about with with activities is like you you talk about like it you don't make it about the fluff, right? And obviously there's still an investment component. There's still some dynamics to manage and consider, yeah. but um, I don't know. Sometimes you, you, you think of an activity, you think, okay, we have to have table coverings. We have to have centerpieces. We have to, I mean, I don't know the many other things. And then it's easier just to make this, uh, you know, twice a year, the steak does an activity and we, mm-hmm. we call it good. Right. Um, so, <laughs> well, but you got, you got to get rid of the fluff the other thing is I was like, I don't want my committee to be overwhelmed with this. And so when I say we, we found our niches, like one of the ladies on the committee, she'd be like, okay, I'm going to order all the tablecloths on Amazon. And we would order those plastic ones that you throw away. And you think about it, we would be like, okay, visually for the luau, order a bunch of bright colors, like yellow and hot pink and teal and, and purple. And we're going to throw them on all the tables randomly. And then we ordered some like bright colored lays too. Uh-huh. And we're like, toss a few of those down the middle of the table and call it good. And like, maybe, you know, there are some people that like decorations is their jam, but I yeah. know they're there for like, I don't know, two days setting it up. And I'm like, I know that that makes some people like so happy and good on them. But like, I didn't want to wear anybody out and I didn't want to wear myself out either. 
And it wasn't about that. I didn't want to be so worn out that I couldn't walk around and be like, Hey, sister, so-and-so are you having a blast? And like, I didn't, you know what I mean? And so, so that's why we did do tablecloths and we did do a couple of little things, but not all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you, how about the, like the ward activity, stake activity dynamic? This is the most passive aggressive war since 1820 <laughs> is the quiet battle that totally. happens between a ward and a stake, right? And oh, it's like, uh, totally. they, they schedule an activity. We have an activity uh, that night. So, yes. I mean, does anything come to mind with that dynamic? Uh, you know, that's funny because there were some people that were like, you know, it's always like this in the church. They're like boycotting it because they don't yeah. agree with. Yeah. yeah. And so there was a little bit of that, which is so funny because I've been in the stake forever. So I know a lot of people and I'm like, come on, just come yeah. to the activity, you know, but I think the consistency, I think it was genius to have the consistency because they knew it was first Friday. So plan something else on a different day, you know? And, um, interestingly enough this year the stake president was like okay we're going a different direction and i was like oh okay because you know i mean like I, I i always had to like make sure my schedule i wasn't going out of town on the first friday and this and that and then yeah. so it, it did get kind of like oh here we go it's first friday again but not not like heavy on me i didn't feel like that but anyways he goes okay it's time for the wards to start gathering again. I feel like we did our job as a stake. We got everybody oh, out. Okay. We got them going. And he's like, we're not doing that again. We want, I want three big activities this year. And I was like, oh, okay, uh-huh. shift gears. So your stake president used it to sort of jumpstart the gathering. He wasn't, mm-hmm. this wasn't a 10-year plan. Right? Mm-hmm. And then he said to me, as you're calling now, I want you to go and train the ward activities person oh, in this whole simplicity thing. He's like, yes. I want you to go and say, you don't have to do fluff, but you do need to plan something that people want to come to. Because you know that whole thing of like, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Well, sometimes in stakes that are older like this, it gets tired and people are like, well, we don't do anything good because no one comes. And uh-huh. it's like, well, no one comes because you don't do anything good. So it's like, you got to find that balance there, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And so he was like, reach out to the wards, see if they need training. If they don't need training, then you're good. And there were a couple of wards that um, they were like, no, we got it. And it would be like my friends that were the activities. I'm like, you got it. You're good. Yeah. I know. I know. You know, I, I didn't want anybody to be overwhelmed. I wanted them to know you can plan something fun that doesn't take a lot of, you know, like stress on you. So, yeah. And I love that component of, of making yourself available for ward activities committees and saying, you know, let me, let me help you out. Cause to some people like myself, if I had, if I had to do that, I'd be like kind of overwhelmed. Like, like <laughs> I hate, I hate the calculation of like, of feeding people. Like so many people are like, <laughs> yeah. we are going to run out of food. I'm going to be the disgrace of the ward. Cause I ran an activity that ran out of food. <laughs> totally. And so I never I know. know what to do, you know? So, I know. so to have somebody there who's experienced and steps in even from the stake is like, Oh, thank you. You know? Yeah. Look, look at my yeah. numbers here. What do you think? Yeah. Like, should we do this well, or that? Right. You know, I will say I did have a secret weapon on my committee and that was one of my best friends who is also the wife of the stake president. So, I mean, Uh I'm just putting that out there, but she's a queen of food. Like she loves to throw parties and all that. And she keeps it like good and simple. And so that was kind of her niche. She'd be like, let me call and order the thing and I'll tell them and we'll figure it out. And so that would be my advice. Get somebody on your committee that 
that knows what they're doing as far as food goes. And, you know, and, and, or she and I would go shopping and we'd like do the math. Okay. We think there's a, you know, and then we'd go, all right, we're going to get this much. We're going to, and you know, you, you always, uh, you always hope and pray that, yeah, you're going to have enough. And we did, we, for the most part, we did loves and fishes, you know, but, and if not, you know, Costco's down the street or whatever, and just <laughs> no, go make totally. it. Open, so. totally. um, wow, this is so fascinating. And you sent me some uh, principles here that I want to make sure we hit on. We've probably touched on these a little bit, but uh, you, the three principles are charity, unity, and missionary work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's dive in there and th- see what we can learn. So t- tell me about charity. How does charity work in all this? Well, you know, you think about um, the pure love of Christ and how he gathered everyone and don't you just love studying the New Testament? You're just like, yeah. it's like, sometimes you don't see that like he actually gathered everyone on the fringe. That's who he gathered. And when I, I talked to the state president last week and I was like, hey, let's chat a little bit before I jump on this podcast. And and he was like, I want I wanted people to feel like they belong. He's like, everybody wants to feel like they belong. And to me, that's charitable to, yeah. to put a place where people belong. And he's like, he said, people are searching for belonging in the world today. They will gravitate to where they feel like they belong. In the name of belonging, Satan draws people away. And then he said, so why do people go to church? To learn, connect, and, be- and belong. And so in that regard, it is charitable to try and create an activity where people belong where the missionaries can bring an investigator and they feel like they belong. And then, you know, um, his wife, Julie, that's on my committee. She, she, I asked her and she was like, don't you just love that we had somewhere where people could come in a relaxed setting. They're not showing up in their Sunday best. So there's this sense of community. It's kind of a come as you are, let's chit chat, let's laugh. That's different than Sunday, you know? And so that created a sense of unity too. And it was cool because the state president, he told me, he goes, you know, what's crazy. We got a lot of churches struggled getting their numbers back up to pre COVID after COVID. And he's like, I really believe that our first Friday activities, we got back to our pre COVID numbers so fast. And we had so many baptisms last year too. And he said a, um, one of the general authorities was here. Uchtdorf came and, and uh, did a training in Vegas recently. And they, he was sitting at a table with President Uchtdorf. And then we call him Elder Uchtdorf now, right? Right, yeah. And, uh, and, uh-huh. um, and some of the uh, general authorities that came with him. And they had done their homework. And so they were sitting next to President Bowen. And they were like, hey, what's going on in your stake? Why'd you guys have so many baptisms last year and stuff like that? And so he said, well, let me tell you about two things. We have first Friday activity. And he told them all about that. And then we have Centro Hispano, which is the missionaries run it. It's a place where people can come and learn English, uh, get help with employment. Um, They learn all kinds of things there. And there's like all these services and it's free and it's at our stake center. And so between Centro Hispano and then first Friday, we're gathering people and we're helping them to feel like they belong and that there's some unity in our stake. We're all working together to do these things, you know? So. Yeah. Any, anything else about charity that would be worth mentioning that we cover it pretty well. It was really important to the whole committee. My committee was so awesome. We would have the best, funnest meetings where we would just like, 
laugh and chat and we were all on the same page and it was like, all right, if we do this activity, what are the kids doing during the activity? And that's why we would be like, oh yeah, okay, we don't want the parents with these young kids. Okay, let's have a bounce house and let's have that going on while this is going on. And you know, like all these things. And so it was like, to me, that's charity too, because we were trying to think of everybody. We were like, okay, the teenagers aren't going to come because they already have stuff going on on Friday nights. They have football games, they have this and that. And then we're like, okay, let's do a three on three. You know, they'll come to that. Yeah. And to me, that was charitable to them too, to like, Mm. we see you, we want you, we want you to bring your friends. We want, we think you're important. We want to cheer for you. We want, you know, and so I just think it's charitable too, to not forget everybody, to like not plan an activity that you think is neat, but plan an activity that's like draws everybody in. And like I said, not everybody came to every activity because the demographic would be like, yeah, I'm not doing that, you know, but yeah. Well, and that's, that's one thing I'm learning from you is that, um, like consider the various demographics, because I think mm-hmm. the, the basic traditional stake activities, even word activities is like, you know, the picnic have food there and people can mingle. Right. And, mm-hmm. but then you get like all the 14 year olds are like in the corner breaking something or someone finds a football and, you know, yeah. they're in the middle of things or the kids are, you know, <laughs> parents are looking for their kids. And so I love this, like, we're going to do a three on three and that's going to draw on the teenagers. We're going to do a bingo night and that's going to draw in the older demographic, right? Mm -hmm. And not making every activity for everyone and, uh, but just being okay with that, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. That's awesome. All right. What about unity? Um, I just think that, you know, that whole, like, come as you are, um, come and be a part of this, um, like bring the wards back together as a stake too. Cause I, I think sometimes people feel like the stake is um, what's the word when you're like, you're not in touch with what's going on in the wards. And so I think, um, I think that it created unit. Well, one thing that created unity for me for this act, this uh, calling was that as the stake um, activities director, I was invited to go to the stake reporting meeting every month, which was all the auxiliary uh, presidents, the stake presidency and the high council. Uh And so um, we got to bounce ideas. I would like throw out an idea and they'd be like, awesome. And then president Bowen would be like, okay, I need three high councilmen. You're going to help with this activity. And they would volunteer and, and then it would be like the Relief Society president would be like, hey, can we, do a, um, can we do a drive in association with this activity to get um, school supplies since it's the beginning of the school year? And we're like, absolutely. So when I would make the posters that would go at all the buildings for these activities, and then I would put on there, you know, also included a school supply drive. And so like there was unity in the sense that we were all kind of working together and getting these ideas and just really trying to like support one another's callings. And that, that meeting is so fun for me to, to be there and see how we all work together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes activities can just be like the, the cherry on top of everything (laughs) happening in the steak. Right. And, and we do a chili cook off and that's great. You know, we keep doing that, but to, to be in the meeting and to say, no, we're going to help you hit your vision Mm -hmm. uh, through our vision, you know, that's powerful. And at the end of the year too, like we sat as a committee and we were like, okay, 
we don't want to take away from the wards traditions. And generally, when you said chili cook-off, it reminded me of this. Yeah. Generally, everyone has a chili cook-off in a trunk retreat, right? Yep. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to do an October activity in the beginning, October 1st. But then that's it for the end of the year because we want the wards to still do their, their trunk retreat. And then they're all going to have like a Christmas activity as well. And so we kind of like hands off towards the end of the year and kind of like, okay, go be with your board now. And, and I think it was, I think it, I think that worked out well because everybody was already gathering and had this momentum, you know, and stuff. So, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Uh, all right. Now uh, missionary work. I, I love, I mean, any help we can get with missionary work is, yeah. is well received. So unpack that for us. Well, for one thing you, when you feed people, they are like, you know, connected to you, right? Yeah. So especially, like I said, every other month we would have a dinner type thing. And that was really, um, uh, what's the word? That was really enticing for the missionaries to say, hey, bring your kids and it's free dinner. There's going to be a blow up bounce house thingy. There's going to be games for the kids. There's, you know, and they were, the missionaries loved it they would be like you know I tried to bounce around during the activities too and meet their friends that they had brought and I just feel like it was a good way for um friends of the missionaries to feel comfortable in a casual setting because you know Sunday's not always comfortable for for a friend of the missionaries it's not it's like oh I don't really fit in here or everybody looks the same or you know what I mean yeah so I feel like um, I feel like we really tried to take into account like creating a setting like that. It was kind of come as you are. Yeah, no, and that's this is a like my my soapbox when it comes to missionary work, especially in Utah or highly saturated areas of Latter Day Saints. Is missionary work doesn't start with like taking the Book of Mormon to your to your friend across the street, or mm-hmm. you know, inviting them to the temple open house, or inviting them to church. It, it starts with just the simple you know, conversation at the mailbox and then inviting Mm -hmm. them to the first Friday event. Right. And you get them in a church in a more casual setting. They're more likely to be open to that invite when they do, you know, have interest in in coming to the church and walking through those doors and remembering that building. Right. So yeah. And it had, it had, yeah. And it had a place for members to bring their friends too. Yeah. And it would be cool. Like when I would see the teenagers walk in, cause my kids are, are all raised now, but I still associate with a lot of the teenagers because I taught seminary a couple of years ago. And um, I was like, I know these kids. I I can see this one's not a member, that one's not a member, that one's not a member, and you brought them here. That is cool, you know? And I'm sure it was like, hey, come on, we're going down to the church and they're feeding us for free and there's going to be volleyball or, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was the other thing. Our um, state president like I said, we have an old, uh, steak center and, but it's big. And so I was like, can we get some stuff at the steak center? Can we spruce up the steak center in the sense of having like some things that we can use there that are available to us throughout the year? Um, and he was like, yeah, like, what do you mean? I go like, let's have a ping pong table that stays at the steak center and let's have a volleyball, a really nice couple of volleyball, um, uh, what is it? Nets Net, and uh-huh. balls and stuff like that that stay at the stake center. 
And he's like, absolutely. And again, that was him seeing the vision and being able to like make some of these purchases that were going to have some longevity, you know? So yeah. Powerful. Well, Jenna, all right. uh, In two minutes or less, give me your, we're going to have an episode within an episode. I want your crash course on girls camp in two minutes or less. Go. Okay. Uh, always invite people to girls camp that want to be there because the old saying, uh, bad apple spoils the bunch or whatever, hundred percent. There are plenty of women that love girls camp and there are some that don't. And if you don't like it, don't come. It's okay. Like, you know what I mean? And when you get the girls there and you get them away from the world about by day two, they're, they're coming around and it's like they wake up, they're away from their phone and the whole thing. And all of a sudden this magic happens and then you got them. And a couple of years ago, I heard a, a general conference talk by the general young men's president. And he said, he said, one way to connect with youth is be together with them. So if there's an activity, be in it, do it, do all the things and give them ways, physical ways to experience heaven. So we always would have like an iron rod experience or, you know, like something that physically kind of gives them a parallel to the world. And then afterwards have somebody kind of go with them and like break it down and go, what'd you guys think? How'd you feel? How did that relate to your life? And, oh, I just die over girls camp. And by the end of the week, you can see it changes lives. And that one week, you know, I got it from my mom actually. And I still have people that come up to me and be like, you're Jill Horton's daughter. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, your mom changed my life when I was 12. And I'm like, I know, right. Girls camp that way. And so I just love it. I just love getting them away from the world and being in the mountains and being in that, you know, anciently speaking, the mountains were the temple of the Lord. Yeah. And that's just me. I step on the mountain and it just like overwhelms me. I'm like, oh, we're here. We are here. We are away from the world. We have gone up and we are here. So yeah, anyways. I love it. That's worth the podcast right there and, and so <laughs> yeah. much more. Um, that reminded me another thing I was going to ask you, just as far as like marketing for the stake activities. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the sacrameting announcement, which nobody hears. I mean, anything <laughs> else that any other ways or tactics to market a stake activity? So I, um, our stake executive secretary was really awesome with, um, emailing the entire stake. And, you know, now with LDS tools, you have access to that, but I also knew that like not everybody checks their email. I mean, I'm guilty of that. So I got really good at this app called Canva and it's like a graphic design app. We use it for leading sales. Right. I've, I've gotten really good at it. So I would design a poster and Again, I'm one to use your resources. Find out who knows who and who has what connections to this and that. Well, I found this lady that has a print shop in her house. And she would print me like 11 by 17 sized posters. And I would go and put them in all the buildings. And then she would also shrink it down to like, she'd cut a sheet of paper in fourths. And so the poster was shrunk down to these little papers. So I would put them in the lobby of the churches with the poster and the the um, flyer some people want a flyer and then our stake executive secretary would email the same flyer to the whole stake and then they would announce it in sacrament and i was like man we've got to reach them out there's got to be some way we're getting to everybody right yeah and so i just right after the first friday then i'd start working on the poster for the next and try and get it in the lobby so people like oh cool we have bingo night coming up or whatever you know Awesome. Yeah, I just got rolling and rolling. 
Yeah, I, I think no, we need to make a list of some of these resources because I'm sure many don't realize how awesome Canva is. And there's a few others that are similar, but it's uh, it's free. I mean, they have a premium option, but yeah. you can do a lot with the free as far as creating a flyer or an image to go on a, a word Facebook group or yep. whatever it is. Like, it's, Well, and mostly really it like you can type in um, Harvest Festival flyer. Yeah. And then you just use that one and change the words. Yeah. They got some great um, templates. I mean, so. I did that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Jen, anything else that uh, we missed or I want to make sure we include before we wrap up? Well, I have to tell you, and I will be fast, what we're doing this year that is, oh my gosh, so cool. Let's hear it. Well, it's in the works. So I have been having this feeling that it's so important to have interfaith um, activities, right? I've been feeling this for a long time, especially during COVID and there was so much contention. I was like, no, there are so many people on the same page. I have so many friends that belong to other churches and we are on the same page. We all feel the love of Christ. We need to get together more. So we, we already had um, the fiesta that was when I took over the Leading Saints podcast. We already did the fiesta, which was like a big gather everybody. We're going to do the patriotic fireside. And then in the fall, I started getting this big idea. I was like, okay, I want to have a stage down at the park, like a good stage, good sound system, good lighting. And we're in Vegas. I know a lot of people that work on the strip. I, I, I'm like not afraid to call and, hey, do you know anybody that knows this or can do this or donate this or whatever? And um, anyways, I wanted to get a good venue and then invite other churches to come and play their worship music so it'd be kind of oh like my a, goodness. like an interfaith music festival i'm driving well, down jenna this is fantastic <laughs> well so i stumbled upon this place called the clark county amphitheater and if you are familiar with vegas it's down off of like fremont street near the smith center and it is this huge outdoor venue that has a stage lighting grassy area lights across the grass i was like what is this what is this? So I call Clark County and I'm like, how do I book this? What is, you know, call the state president. He's just like, oh yeah, let's do it. Well, you know, Vegas has several music festivals like Life is Beautiful. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the other one, but where it's like a three-day festival and all these artists come and I'm like, what if we could get an all-day musical festival like that where we invite all these other churches to bring like their like worship bands, like, you know, like yeah. praise Jesus worship bands. And we have a schedule and it's like every half an hour, the band changes or whatever. We have food trucks. We have, cause then it's like, you can just invite the food truck and they come and make money. And you're like, that wasn't hard for me. I just invited you and you just came. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And then we just book it. Well, anyways, the Lord works in mysterious ways, right? All of a sudden, all these people are coming out of the woodworks. And I find out that this place was built as a, um, it's like the baby of the county commissioners. They built it for community engagement. Holy cow. So I, so I write this email about, hey, this will be create unity amongst faithful uh, members of the Las Vegas Valley. This will create community engagement. Let's get the county commissioners to MC the event. And as a entry fee, it's a food drive. So everybody bring canned food or homeless uh, kit things. And so, so far I've been able to kind of work with different people and it's getting in the right people's ear and it, we're getting closer to 
planning that in the fall. And, and then once I've secured the venue, then I'm going to go and just, I have a lot of friends at other churches, but then I'm going to go and be like, all right, you want to be a part of this? Cause yeah. it's going to be cool. You know, okay, you got to keep us posted on that. That'll be fun I to will. see how I that will. goes. I, I love the yeah. idea. Very cool. So let's, uh, last question I have for you is, as you reflect on your time as a, as a stake activities director, which is pretty much a stake activities leader, how has yeah. being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Mm. Um, I, it's okay. So I've been a member of the church my whole life. And in the last couple of years, I've really been on this journey of kind of deconstructing all the things that I thought I was, you know, like checking all the boxes and realizing that it's not about the doing, it's about the becoming. And in being this leader over these stick activities, it's really taught me like, oh, okay, this is helping me to become someone that loves everybody. This is helping me to become someone that really cares about people belonging. This is helping me to become someone that has a new set of eyes and ears that is like, I see you. I want to create a space for you and I want to sit with you and I want you to know that our church, everybody belongs here. Every, there's a place for everybody here. And so it's, it's really helped me to change my leadership style to where I'm not, um, I'm not catering to the normal crowd, I guess. If, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm really trying to like look outside the box and gather all of us. That's not to say that the traditional things that we've done in the past aren't don't have value too because they do it's just that let's like think outside the box and and add on new thoughts with our traditional ways and that concludes this how i lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense and share it with somebody who could relate to this, this experience. And this is how we, how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area and that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this in individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, we'd love to have you at our next in-person retreat. Go check out the different options and locations where we're having these at leadingsaints.org slash gathering. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.